What's going on, family? What's going on? What's going down with Chicken? Welcome to Jonathan Souls Podcast. This is Jonathan Souls speaking to you now. Uh, I got the honor and privilege of talking to an entrepreneur, uh, somebody who is uh, building uh, not only a brand, but he's building a content creation enterprise in the country of Zimbabwe. Uh, somebody whose uh, initial offerings uh, has to do with the mercenary kicking ass and taking names. Uh, the character goes by the name of Mzumgeli. Yeah. I'm talking about the creator extraordinaire, <laughs> Eugene Ramirez uh, Mapunzier. I know I fucked that up. Yeah. How, how you doing? <laughs> you got it. You got it. How you doing, brother? What's going You're on, You're all right, brother. Not that much, man. That's <laughs> you good. see that every time you need to get it wrong, it's like it's like the ancestors just pull you back. They're uh, like, no, brother, get it right. <laughs> That's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Now, you know, you're the second uh, 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 person that I talked to from uh, Zimbabwe. Um, the first time, it right. was a, yeah, it was a college student who had just came back after y'all had that, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Would you call it a diet coup or something? I mean, I don't remember nobody getting shot up in the in, in the place. I mean, how's <laughs> yeah. the, how's the yeah. environment yeah. over there, yeah, that, man, in Zimbabwe? So yeah, yeah, that was a cool light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I I had uh I had the privilege of talking to um, brother Tariq Nasheed. Oh wow! Uh, okay, the gentleman cool. behind Hidden Talent. Yeah, yeah, he was here in Zimbabwe early on in the year, and and he had so many problems with with seeing with seeing the images of so many uh, African people hugging, you know, Europe, European people, and he was yeah. saying, "What's up with all the, all the coddling people? You you should be just taking this as your own victory." And I was like, "Well, I guess just one country, all happy, all at once, happy together." I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, is that your yeah, feeling? Yeah. Is that is that the way you feel? I mean, you and, and your circle. I mean, is there uh -huh. like a different kind of nationalism thing popping up? Are y'all just glad everything is quiet? I mean, what's the feeling on the street? Man, it's there's so many mixed feelings. Um, I think it's one of those things where you have people that are happy for the change because we had been under you know a certain kind of uh, administration for so long. And then when this change came through, I think everyone was just happy to, to get some kind of shift from the status quo. Okay. Um, right now, the big debate is about whether, uh, you know, we're, we're going to vote in someone who's more liberal or someone who's more conservative and more nationalistic. But I guess both sides are offering some kind of, um, you know, solution, which is, uh, black oriented, let me put it that way. Okay. Um, but there'll always be some polarization. You know, there'll be one side pointing fingers and saying the other side is doing uh, something wrong, whether it's in line with human rights or corruption or being puppeteered by the West. There'll always be some kind of allegations. But the honest truth is there's a general sense of relief that we're out of, uh, you know, the situation we're in for the past 37 years. And that, that's something for certain. Okay, good, good, good. So, I mean, I just imagine a whole bunch of people in South Africa looking over the border like, is it safe? <laughs> you know, because they, <laughs> I mean, are you seeing a lot of expats coming back? Is is, is that happening? Um, not necessarily. They, everybody, is, everybody who's outside is, is uh, you know, doing the whole let's wait and see kind of routine. Okay. So... 
Yeah, they're, they're all glad. I mean, uh, when this whole thing happened in November, there's so many expats posting uh, videos on, on social media, you know, throwing parties, celebrating. You know, we had, uh, you know, people of European descent singing songs in Shauna. That's wow. like uh, the local, yeah, the dominant language here. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of that, but there was no actual uh, action in the form of like some, you know, exodus from abroad because everybody's still playing the let's wait and see game. Mm-hmm. Because as much as uh, the previous leader is gone, his entire machinery and his entire organization is still very much active. So there's that question of does this change in leadership mean, um, you know, a change in policy as well? So everybody's playing the let's wait and see game. I think in America they call that the deep state. You know, the, uh-huh. the department heads and the financiers and the, and, the, and the middle people, all the folks that make the machine run are still in place. Uh-huh. But the figurehead, you know, the yeah. guy that appears on the commercial, he's still there. I mean, you know, he's gone, and then they, yeah. have, they have somebody else. So, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. On a perfect day, yeah. and then we'll, we'll get into your, 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 your creative stuff, but on a perfect day, um, do you see mm-hmm. like any any serious like economic changes within the next year or so? Have you seen anything happening you know now in terms of you know economics? People you know having the ability to take care of themselves and their families is that? Do you feel like that's going to be improving soon or, or what? Um, yeah, I'd be very optimistic to say that could happen within a year, but. I'll say we've got a better chance. I think we've got a better opportunity to turn this boat around um, as of whatever happens after these elections. Because we're going to be uh, holding presidential elections later on in the year. Mm -hmm. So depending on the result, depending on, you know, what policies are put in place, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no telling what could happen in five years. I mean, uh, because of the different uh, crises that we've gone through economically, socially, and so on, in the past three decades alone, we, we're behind by as much as three decades. So wow. we got to play catch up first, and then we got to get to a point where we start building things up to a point where we're competitive or mm-hmm. at par with the rest of, you know, the, the great, you know, like more stable African countries. So it's, it's uh, more of a, it's going to be a long process, you know, or borrow from Barack Obama and say it won't come overnight, but change going to come. <laughs> Now, let's say I was over in Zimbabwe, right, and I wanted to buy a copy of uh, Ooms and Gailey. Uh, yeah. wh- what currency am I paying in? Am I paying in, like, you know, y'all money? Am I paying U.S. dollars or Bitcoin? I mean, I heard y'all was using a whole bunch of different currencies <laughs> over there. Uh, okay, the fact is we're using uh, about three different currencies, but the dominant one is the U.S. dollar. Okay. So if you were to come through and, and buy a copy, you'd be buying it for $3. Okay. Um, actually, yeah, um, like uh, towards the, the end of last year, we had a website up and we also had a, uh, we also had a Shopify uh, shop up. Oh, so you cool. could actually buy Umzingeli online uh, for, you know, regular currency. It was pounds, euros, U.S. dollars, because mm-hmm. it was all digital. So. Yeah, if you're here on the ground, you you can you can buy it using Bitcoin or U.S. dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the, thanks to technology, the economic situation uh, has been a bit alleviated because of things like mobile money and um, you know plastic money. People use cards and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, 
Uh, most of it is tethered to the U.S. dollar. So the fact is, um, it, it's not like we, we just we got a whole load of weird currencies floating around. Now, yeah. that wouldn't be correct. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the truth of the matter is if you were to fly in right now and you had U.S. dollars on you, you'd, you'd just continue like every other day. You'd notice some price differences, of course. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, it'll just be another day. Wow. Okay. All right, man. See, that's the wonderful thing about, you know, independent media is that I have an impression based on what they're telling me, you know, in the Western media, which I don't trust as far as I can throw it. So, you know, that's Uh why when I, when I talk to somebody like yourself, who's there, you know, you can say, Oh no, man. Uh All right. Last question. Then we're going to get on to your comic, man. So honestly, Are y'all going to have to start learning how to speak Cantonese or Mandarin? I heard that the, the, the Chinese government has some, uh, you know, a little bit of pull with your, with your military folks, man. Am I am I wrong about that? I mean, what's, what's going on with your brother oh, over man, there? That's what's going on? No, that's crazy. You know, this is uh, this is so, so interesting. Um, when Tariq was in the country, uh, I had the opportunity to interview him, right? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about these misconceptions. So, First off, he said, you know, when I came through here, I thought I was going to be, you know, in a mud hut hotel or something, and I was going to see things all in shambles. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was he was uh, showing off uh, the hotel he was living in on Instagram, and, you know, it, it was a great hotel, and he was uh, he was sharing with his audience how the hotel is black-owned, and he was pointing at everything oh, wow. and saying, you know what, all this infrastructure is black-owned. And one thing that he mentioned was everything was peaceful, which was the truth. And that he, he felt good because he couldn't feel the weight of white supremacy. Those were his words. Beautiful. beautiful. You know, and, um, and, and he said he was just fascinated by, you know, uh, so many black people owning their own cars, owning Mercedes, owning BMWs, um, you know, uh, living in amazing mansions, which he posted to his Instagram. So you can actually see some of them for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the misconception that we had here as Zimbabweans is, I remember uh, during the interview I had with them, someone in the audience when we opened it up said, um, is it true what's happening in Chicago right now that it's all-out war between the Bloods and the Crips? And Tariq lost his mind. Mm. You know, and he was like, that, that's crazy. And then the conclusion we drew from that is that um, the media is painting this insane picture of countries like Zimbabwe mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and black people in Zimbabwe, yeah. while at the same time they're kind of poisoning our perception of African-Americans and how they're conducting themselves in the United States. Yeah. So that there's this rift between the two groups of people who should be as one. You know, there's this rift where the, the African right here on the motherland is looking at the African in the United States and saying, no, that guy, he lost his mind. And then yeah. you guys are looking at us like, no, they're too backward and they're too, you know, colonized or they're looking to the West for solutions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just to answer your question, the whole Chinese thing, now nah, that's crazy. I don't speak a lick of Mandarin <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't want to or have to. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I will clarify and say that there's a lot of investment coming in from Asian countries, not only China, but a, a whole load of Asian countries, but we're still doing business with Canadians. We're still doing uh, business with um, European countries that are not in the European Union. Okay. So you'll find investors coming in from Israel, Brazil, um, Russia, you know, what we call the BRICS, you know, yeah. the, the emerging economy. Uh-huh. So now nah, that, that is crazy. That's, that's quite a lot of propaganda, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, well, that's the thing, man. If, if all you got to eat is you know, 
you know, false, you know, stories, then you're going to, you know, you're going to have a different perception. And that's one of the reasons why I'm going to break this interview up in the sections. You know what I mean? So, you know, you can find out about this political piece and then you can find out about the comics. Now, I'm going on your site. We're going to we're going to change gears. And thank you for, you know, entertaining these kinds of questions, man, because uh, I'm curious, you know, I mean, about what's happening with my brothers and sisters you know, you know, over there, I, my first interview yeah. was in, was a brother in Canada, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I just wanted to know, because I know it's a lie, but I don't know to what degree my uh. fuckers be lying. You know what I mean? That's, that's why we need this. Yeah, yeah, media. Yeah. yeah. This decentralized indie kind of immediate. Uh-huh. All right. So now we're going to uh-huh. pivot. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at Sigma digital hyphen studio.com Sigma digital hyphen studio.com. Yeah. Uh, that is home base for you, and that's where um, people can uh, reach out to you if they need. I'm guessing de- design and animation services. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right now, it's going through. I, I had to overhaul the the whole site, so we're rebranding. We're going through a rebrand just before I start up this blog that I'm going to be doing mm-hmm. um, because I, I want to move on uh, from uh, rendering services to corporates and individuals and kind of start making. Uh, independent media of my own, but focusing on um, pop culture and media that is created within Zimbabwe and the region surrounding Zimbabwe. So mm-hmm. um, the whole redesign is, is uh, made in such a way that I'm trying to accommodate this uh, new vlog that I'll be doing. Hopefully I'll be doing it twice a week and it'll be five minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll be talking about issues like uh, game development in Zimbabwe, Oh, wow. okay. uh, music production here in Zimbabwe, uh, comic books, uh, the animators and the types of awards and, you know, all those things that you'll never, ever, ever, ever hear <laughs> about over there. Uh, and this will be following the success of um, a YouTube show that I used to have on, um, yeah, of course, on YouTube. But uh, that ran for a while last year um, and it was in line with Comic Exposed, which is... Um, the Zimbabwean comic book convention, but mm-hmm. I wanted to follow through with the content we were curating over there and, and try to shape it in such a way that it's more consistent and more frequent mm-hmm. um, and more of my own personal views on, on those areas. So uh, on Sigma Digital Studio right now, that's, yeah, you're definitely right. That's a portal you can use to reach out to, to me and my small team personally or directly. And, um, yeah, you can see a little bit about, you know, uh, some of the, the television or news appearances that I've made mm-hmm. uh, just so that people can get a quick primer on my journey so far. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so let's stick with Sigma for a minute. Uh, specifically, yeah, the, sure. the, the services that you and your team offer are animation. That's right. That's right. We, we do animation, but uh, we find ourselves also um, – providing services in around pre-production okay. for, for films. So um, films need, like, especially now more than ever, films need a lot more planning, mm-hmm. uh, considering the complexity of shots and uh, visual effects, uh, costume design and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find myself, uh, you know, doing a lot of storyboard work, a lot mm-hmm. of concept artwork, um, a lot of uh, visual development stuff and art direction in some cases. So, um when it's not animation, it's usually in pre-production. And, and I, I have to admit, I love pre-production because it's so close to uh, comic book art. For example, when you do a storyboard, it's more like you're doing a comic book without, without the speech bubble. 
mm-hmm. but you're giving the director his first view at his film so that he gets an understanding of which shots are actually possible, which shots are actually, you know, aesthetically pleasing before he, he gets his foot on set to actually start shooting stuff. So apart from animation, we do a lot of that and sometimes a little bit of web development. And, you know, um, it's mostly just multimedia services and things like that. You know, I didn't realize how much of an art form uh, storyboards were until uh, my son started drawing. He's, you know, older now, but when he was young, I seen him drawing little, you know, what I thought were comics. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh, you wow. Know? And so, you know, uh-huh. one year he kind of draw the stick figures or whatever. And then the next year he draw the uh-huh. stick figures or whatever. And then the third year. And I was like, this guy is not improving. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what? <laughs> and then I started looking because I was, I drew too. And I was art director and the whole bit. And then and I started uh-huh. looking at his stuff again. And I started seeing him zooming in, zooming out, mm. and different things. And I said, oh, my yeah. God, this little boy is doing storyboards. And sure enough, now he's doing film yeah. and everything. So I was like, phew. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. you can't make a living a stick figure. But you know what I mean? But, but yeah, so I didn't recognize, you know, how many, and a lot of illustrators that I talked to, they're doing storyboards, uh-huh. you know, for a living. I was like, wow. I, yeah. didn't know. I thought the director did that. I thought he sat down with a little book. I didn't <laughs> know they hired people to do storyboards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually big business. It's, it's really big business because um, sometimes you can do as many as 300 shots, and it's always in the shortest period of time possible. And they want it to look good. They want it to be comprehensive. And they need it desperately before they start, you know, getting on set and shooting. So, there's a lot of demand for highly skilled and very efficient uh, storyboard artists because that efficiency can make or break a production because without, without the storyboard, you're going in there blind and you're going to be experimenting behind the camera and it, it kills time, it ruins shots, it gets people frustrated. So the planning stage, it, it calls for um, a lot of pre-production material that's really high, you know, high end. So it's big business. Now, is is a storyboard artist something that an indie filmmaker would uh, would you know look at hiring their services, or for is it for a larger organization? Oh, that, that's a good question. Um, several of my uh, first few clients, I remember maybe five or six years ago, were indie um, indie uh, directors and indie filmmakers from the United States. Okay. Um, I forget his name now because it's been so long, but there was a gentleman who did a lot of work on law and order, okay. and um, wow. he was doing a lot of extra roles on, on other, uh, other shows, and then he decided to go independent, and it must have been in 2012 when he did a short film called Boston, okay. um, and it was a really touching film about uh, this uh, individual who loses his wife and daughter uh, during the Boston City Marathon bombing. Okay. And um, it was it was one of my first projects, and he was an indie filmmaker I managed to work with. And then, um, yeah, from there, I think I, I, I worked with a number of indie filmmakers until I got a few IMDb film credits. Okay. And then from there, you know, bigger filmmakers, um, nothing nothing stellar, like nothing Hollywood, but, you know, uh, filmmakers with bigger budgets started to get in touch, and, and I started doing larger and larger projects. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Wow, that's amazing, man. I didn't realize. But there's so many 
I don't know. It's, niche wouldn't be the word. Maybe specialty would be the word. I didn't know how important uh-huh. the storyboard thing was. If you talk about, say, oh, music, yeah. I didn't know how important uh, music with video games uh, is. Oh, yeah. You know? I, yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of that. So, no, you were saying in your vlog that you were going to start vlogging yeah. about different topics. Where is that vlog going to appear, and what kind of topics are you going to cover? All right. It's going to appear on YouTube, and it's likely to be on the Comic-Posed channel. There's a channel for the organization that does Comic-Con here. It's called Comic-Posed. So um, the, the vlog is going to be uh, titled The Draw Card, um, hosted by myself, and I'll be uh, looking at the business of art and the different areas uh, where new media is really dominating. So I'll be looking at topics like um, game development and looking at the you know solutions for small studios because um, in mainstream media you'll find solutions for huge studios with huge human resources and financial resources and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'll be trying to go on a macro scale and just look at um, you know solutions like the most um, affordable game engines to use if you've got an indie studio, you know, wow. or things like um, uh, solutions for creating synthesized music, you know, the most affordable. Okay, I didn't know that. That's fine. All right, so we're good to go. So, so now you were telling me about the uh, the the uh, affordable video game engines going from there, and mm-hmm. then we'll move into something else. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So, um, I was saying uh, the whole podcast, but sorry, the vlog really. We'll yeah. be looking at the business of of art and uh, new media. Mm-hmm. So, apart from looking at the tools alone and losing uh, people, there are so many other interesting things that I, I want to touch on. Um, for example, uh, there are actually short films and feature-length films that are made in the region of Southern Africa that are really good, really noteworthy. And uh, with the advent of Afrofuturism, uh, a lot of the films explore that particular genre. And uh, I know for sure that um, many interested people across the world don't have access to a news channel that talks about things like that in particular. Yep. So since I'm, I'm like the man on the ground, I'd like to also mix up my, my, uh, my different videos on tools and different trades with, with that kind of content. Beautiful. And then lastly, um, my, my own personal experience is actually making a living off this kind of uh, thing or these kinds of services. As much as... Um, it, it, I might make it sound like it's ordinary or it's just another Tuesday, but there are a lot of uh, young people trying to start up businesses like my own. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, I'll share, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, hurdles or stumbling blocks or shortcuts to get to uh, where I am, uh, but faster. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of content over time, and I'm I'm not gonna try to. Uh, straight jacket myself by just focusing on technical issues, but I also talk about some opinion pieces and things like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I think that's something that's definitely needed. You know, um, I think yeah. I don't think that the impact of uh, the Black Panther uh, movie can be mm-hmm. overemphasized, uh, mm-hmm. and and for mm-hmm. the very reasons that you just delineated, there are people 
who want to create similar content, but they're small. So what will be a good, uh, you know, video or, you know, video game engine if they want to do a video game with that kind of concept? Um, you know, if you're talking uh, the vlog piece, you know, you know, what are some techniques? And, and I, shit, man, I, I thought about doing a class on, you know, podcasting or mm-hmm. interviewing techniques or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just that there's yeah. a lot of. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, on the ground, there's a lot of people who want to do this entrepreneurial thing out of uh, desire mm-hmm. and out of necessity, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in America, man, the, the, the thing about working for a company for 40 years and retiring, that shit is gone. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. Gone. So, uh, so, <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad that, that, that you're somebody who has the vision uh, to kind of pull all those little different, uh, you know, points together. Now, um, you, you. you you mentioned something about uh, a Comic-Con that you had some involvement with. Uh, we have you know, several right. cons over here. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, back in 2012, um, a colleague of mine and I, uh, he's also an animator, uh, we, we were just having a conversation after a graduation day. Uh, we used to lecture at this uh, animation college uh, back in the day. And uh, I remember we sat down and, and we were just wondering why there is no Comic-Con. I think we were talking about comic books and <laughs> we realized that we loved them so much, but there was no actual, you know, uh, event in Zimbabwe or Southern Africa at that time uh, that actually, you know, uh, accommodated comic book enthusiasts. So we knew about San Diego Comic-Con, which should be the biggest in the world, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we decided to model organization and an event around that, but we wanted to do it at a scale that we could manage because this was our idea, so we had to finance the whole thing. Right. So uh, between 2012 and 2014, we founded the organization Comics Post, which is you know, just two words put together, comic books and exposed. Okay. So <laughs> Comics Post slowly became uh, a community that, you know, hundreds of people, and we were really pleased when we realized we attracted the attention of our uh, colleagues and brothers and sisters in, in other countries as far as Nigeria, uh, Kenya, uh, South Africa, Zambia, and so on, and they, they joined in on this community and actually used uh, the platforms we, we created on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, now WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, a lot of these different people are posting artwork and hundreds of art pieces from local, or should I say, comics uh, from Africa were posted onto this platform. And then when we thought the community was big enough in 2015, we held our first Comic Con in Zimbabwe. So, Comic Pose, when you say Comic Pose in Zimbabwe, it's synonymous with Comic Con. Wow. So, um, since, since that year, um, uh, we've been annually holding this event. Uh, and the next one will be in October on the 13th of October, if not the 15th. We yet to finalize that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so um, Comic Con is here in Zimbabwe is uh, something that I co-founded. Okay. And um, I think, yeah, uh, here in Zim, if you say Eugene, a lot of people turn to say the comic book guy. <laughs> and yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. So we we managed to put the spotlight on on uh, pop culture and comic books. Uh, specifically um, here in Zimbabwe through uh, Comic Post. And uh, if you look, if you go through any any uh, social media platform or YouTube and you use the name Comic Post, 
you will find highlight videos from our previous events, uh, comic book days that we've held, and uh, and so on. So it's it's currently a big movement, and indeed the success of Black Panther can't be overstated. Um, this this year alone, we've seen a rising interest and a greater understanding of the medium here in Zim. Because you got to understand, um, ever since my country went under sanctions, comic books kind of disappeared off their shelves because we just weren't getting them imported. They just weren't coming to Zimbabwe. Wow. So for us to turn around and actually reestablish an industry where local titles are created, published, and distributed, mm-hmm. it was a big deal. And it was actually uh, a reintroduction of the medium into uh, the Zimbabwean audience. And... Yeah. Um, you know, with, with the coming of Black Panther, it made a lot more sense what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to do. And everybody now understands the relevance of um, African or Zimbabwean superheroes. So um, that's Comic-Con in Zimbabwe, and the, the organization that I co-founded and I'm a part of. Man, that's very impressive. I mean, you know, I, you. I have a, a very good time doing my little intros. And I don't know exactly what's going to come out of my mouth at the time. But it sounds like everything I said at the beginning is absolutely true. You and, and, and some friends actually established, I guess, you know, you, you, you solidified the comic book community in Zimbabwe. That's very impressive. Um, because, Thank you, know, you. Thank there's, you very there, much. There's a lot of, you know, the, the term is, used to be derogatory. Now I think it's positive. The nerd, you know, community you uh-huh. know, needs, you know, a, a, a place where they can relate to each other. Now, when you talk about pop culture... Yeah. Now, in, in yeah. the Comic-Con thing, can you define that? Is it just people buying comics and having T-shirts? Is it cosplay? I mean, <laughs> what define that Define that space. Wow, it's, it's incredible. You know, we've, we've tried to make it very diverse. So we, we've got a lot of cosplay that happens. Um, our biggest achievement, I think, was actually seeing Zimbabweans cosplaying Zimbabwean comic book characters. Yeah, that's cool. Of course, there were a lot there, there, yeah, there are a lot of people who come in dressed as uh, superheroes and video game characters and uh, or characters from certain movies. But we're really happy that um, our audience actually takes up local characters and dresses up like local characters. And uh, so you find there's a lot of that. There's cosplay. There's a lot of video games. Uh, there are uh, panel discussions, just like you have at, at um, San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, one thing that I've tried to do is also reach out to filmmakers that are exploring sci-fi and, um, you, know, uh, you know, those genres that are more in line with, uh, with comic books. So at, at, my, at, at our event, we have a lot of uh, those people getting an opportunity to talk about their productions and uh, talk about their uh, fantasy worlds and you know, all, all of that stuff. So it's, it's quite diverse, and we try to stay close to um, what you'd see at a conventional American or international convention. Okay. But we don't lose track of uh, the Zimbabweanness of it or the Africanness of it. So we know that people will always be attracted to the new and original uh, kind of ideas. And since so far, we're, we, we seem to have a wealth of that. So we, we hinge on that very strongly, and we try to retain our identity. So we take the format of the event, but then we use the content that's generated right here in Zimbabwe and we push that. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, uh, you know, early on I mentioned the name of a comic book uh, property you created called Umzungali yeah. or Umzungali. Yeah. And you said there was a funny story yeah. about how that's pronounced. What's, what's that story about? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that story is really important. 
Um, so Umzengeli uh, literally translates to hunter, right? Okay. And um, the, the, the reason why I created that comic book character, this was back in 2009 maybe, uh, before a lot of the discussions about inclusivity and gender diversity or representation in comic books. Um, my older brother, who's in the diaspora, you know, he, he, he was talking to me after looking at some of my artwork, and he said, you know, Eugene, yeah, you're a, I come from a tribe of people called the Shana. Who, okay. We're like, the, yeah, it's like the, the majority tribe, I guess, uh, the bigger tribe here. No, were those, were those the people with the, blue, with the blue shawls in the force fields? I mean, tell me about the Shona. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to take credit for that. No, nah, no. Nah. Those, those guys are from Kenya. Okay. Those, okay. those are more like, yeah. <laughs> But, but right here, I'm, I'm part of a tribe called the Shana. Okay. And uh, there's a smaller tribe called the Ndebele. All right. So in terms of uh, diversity, I thought it would be pretty cool for me to actually create a character that represents a minority tribe and um, the female uh, gender. Okay. Because all the comic book characters that were in existence, uh, uh, you know, the, the dominant ones were male and, you know, of whatever dominant uh, tribe they were. So I ventured to do this, and to my surprise back then, the character was very well received. But since I was venturing into uh, uh, creating this character named Umzungeli uh, from the Ndebele tribe, I misspelled it the very first time. <laughs> okay. So, wow. So, so that was a blunder on my part as I was trying to, uh, you know, be more diverse and so on. But... The interesting thing is um, the, a friend of mine who's actually in the Bele animator, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he caught up with me and is like, man, I love this idea, but what does this mean? I'm the Bele and I don't even know what it means. And I was like, I think I might have gotten it wrong. And he was so supportive in that, you know, he got a, a conversation going amongst my peers, the, the Shauna guys and then the Bele guys, about how, you know, we should all embrace uh, you know, these ideas despite, despite tribal differences. So that's something I've, I've tried to do a lot. Wow. Um, you know, there's, there's diversity issues in the rest of the world or diversity issues in America, for example, where you guys talk about uh, people of color representation of people of color and so on. Here in Africa, because we're all black, mm-hmm. um, I'm lobbying for diversity in representation of people from different tribes. So Umzengeli is one of my characters. Mm-hmm. Another one of my characters is named Douglas Mayenza. He's from uh, another. He's from a totally different tribe called the Manika people. Okay. And then you know, so I, I try to make sure that each one of my characters represents a certain group of people, so that no one is underrepresented at all, regardless mm-hmm. of my actual tribal heritage. So uh, that's the interesting story behind the. The two variants of the name Umzengeli you might find. One is birthed from my, you know, real passionate endeavor to be uh, culturally conscious or tribally conscious on this scale. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's what I wanted to share with you. Wow, Eugene, man, you you got layers. You definitely need to uh, <laughs> broadcast. You need to be doing what I'm doing plus. Uh, because man, you, you definitely have uh, you definitely have layers to you. For people who want to reach out to you for uh, you know for freelance work for business, um, uh-huh. how do we do that? Uh-huh. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook. Uh, my name is exactly as, as you've said it. That uh, you can catch me on Twitter, Eugene underscore Ramirez. Um, and of course, my my email is pretty straightforward. It's just Eugene at gmail dot com and um, 
Yeah, of course, Eugene at Sigma Digital Studio, Sigma Digital Hyphen Studio dot com. And um, yeah, we can. And of course, there is the website. You can leave me a note on the website. That's a, that's another quick way. And yeah, I always respond within 24 hours or less, depending on time differences. And yeah, that's me. Mr. Mampandera, it's been an honor to have you on the program. Thank you very much for having me. I wish you all the best, brother. You're doing great work.